this is Vernon Mann with a tale from Lebanon during the civil war there in the 70s and 80s. I was a producer and correspondent then with a major TV news organisation. This story has a culinary flavour. Today we're huddled in the Chinese restaurant at the Commodore Hotel Beirut. A dozen or so journalists and cameramen picking at our fried rice, sipping our beer and listening to the shootout going on outside. It isn't big enough or bad enough to make news, but it makes it impossible for us to venture out to see if anything bigger is going on out there. The cafe has no windows, so it's safe from the bullets and grenades flying around in the street. No glass to shatter. It's a pretty depressing room, though. We sigh bored sighs and nibble and drink and chat through the afternoon until the warring parties tire and go their separate ways. Just a local skirmish. The Lebanese Civil War rages from 1975 through to 1990, 15 years of madness and mayhem, 120,000 dead. Everyone seems to be fighting everyone else. Christian and Muslim warlords pitch their forces against each other, supported by a variety of militia from other factions, plus Yasser Arafat's Palestine Liberation Organisation. It's a kaleidoscope of killers. Every now and then the Israelis get riled up and cross the border to have a go at Yasser's men, devastating southern Lebanese villages as they pass through, their tanks flattening every car in the streets. Sometimes they fight all the way to the capital, Beirut, and stay there a while. The Syrians are playing at this deadly game too. Their army occupies most of Beirut at one time. Trying to simplify and explain the political complexities is like being blindfolded in a maze. You might find your way out, but you wouldn't know where you'd been. If there's a lull in fighting, the foreign desk will ask for a piece explaining the current situation. It never gets used. On this particular occasion, Hezbollah are fighting Christian Falange militia. The city is again in voluntary lockdown. Everything's shut. If people go out, they risk being shot or kidnapped. At night, rocket-propelled grenades flash across the sky. Explosions rock the city. Streets are in darkness. Sounds of gunfire never far away. It's all pretty intense. We call a meeting, the big question, top of the agenda, where to go for dinner. The Chinese is okay, but we spent all afternoon there. The hotel offers only basic Arabic fare. We want more. So we summon our wonderful Muslim driver Ali before he goes home for the night and ask him to stand by. We pay him $100 a day, a lot, but for that he risks his life most days and he doesn't have a pension plan or health insurance come to that. We have a brief debate about whether to venture out or not and decide it would be too dangerous. Totally irresponsible, in fact, downright stupid. So we call Ali and tell him to take us to an Italian restaurant in the port, a 20-minute drive away, and the only place we know that will be open. Its owners pay for protection, like our hotel, so the militias generally leave the place alone. Getting there's the worry. Ali is not a brave soul, he's as scared as the rest of us, but still willing to drive us wherever we ask. We race through unlit streets, the booms of not-so-distant explosions drowned by loud music from the car radio. Ali drives with wild abandon, as if his life depends on it. It probably does. He doesn't turn on his lights, but thankfully has an encyclopedic knowledge of the streets. At one point, we glimpse armed men running into an alley, away from us, thankfully. Maybe they're scared of us. A briefly comforting thought. Ali speeds along. Minutes later, we are waved down by four militiamen. I told you this would happen, wails one of our number. 
The men approach Ali's window, speak to him in Arabic. With a shaking hand, he proffers his Hezbollah pass. They gesture we do the same. We fumble in our pockets for the right one. We have a few, including one for the Christian phalange. Show them that one and we'll miss supper at least. They examine them by torchlight, slowly. They hand them back and wave us on. We arrive. The restaurant is all lit up, its car park packed with Mercedes and Beamers and Jeeps with camouflage markings. The maitre d', a serious man in black bow tie and splendid matching moustache, greets us like old friends, while we have eaten here before. He escorts us in along with another arrival, a tough-looking guy in army fatigues carrying a Kalashnikov, weapon of choice for most of Beirut's elite diners. They're not required to leave their guns at the door. At every table, weaponry is hanging from chairs or balanced on owners' knees, mostly Kalashnikovs, but we spot on one table a fancy pistol next to the knife and fork. Bodyguards hover around the tables of a couple of obviously important guys, eyes sweeping the room. They're wearing smart, dark blue suits, automatic pistols like squat machine guns slung around their shoulders. Most diners are in military combat fatigues, neatly pressed, as befits their obvious seniority. One argument, one lost temper, and this place could explode. It would be the ultimate shootout. We imagine, if, as in most of America, diners are asked to leave their firearms at the door. Just put them in the cupboard, please, sir, with all the others. I'll give you a receipt. Oh, I'm afraid we'll need the pistol in your shoulder holster too, please. Ah, yes, and the grenades, and the magazines, and any other ammunition you might have. It'll never happen. Meanwhile, all is calm. Everybody's having a good time. And I guess they're all on the same side. Not that that stops people killing each other here. The meal is top class. Local fishermen have put down their rods, stored their nets, and got into the lazy habit of lobbing grenades into the Mediterranean Sea and hoovering up the casualties. Stunned mullet, anyone. Flash fishing, it's called. You won't find that in the Angling Times. The fish on my plate, a sole, is absolutely delicious and very fresh. We drink Lebanese red wine, Chateau Moussa, famous now worldwide, made from grapes grown in vineyards in the Becca Valley north of Beirut and harvested throughout the 15 years of war, sometimes in extraordinary circumstances. In 1982, the vineyard finds itself bang smack in the middle of Israeli and Syrian hostilities, but they still manage to produce wine, Bedouin pickers harvesting the crop amidst a razor wire, sometimes with rockets flying overhead. Our bottle on the table stands as a monument to Lebanese persistence, determination, optimism and hard graft. Let's drink to that and wish them a safe passage through the difficult times their country's now going through in 2022. This is Vernon Mann. Join me next time. Bye for now. Music